Welcome, everybody, to the EFIS Baseball Cards Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Baseball. Uh, episode 2 of Season 3, Spring is in the Air. The Dodgers have scored 8 runs against the Padres before Joe Musgrove was able to record 2 outs. So uh, I'd say we picked up right where we left off, uh, kind of like the EFIS Baseball Cards Podcast. Uh, I've got my co-host here, TJ. Oh, TJ. <coughs> TJ. TJ, are you there? <laughs> Philly! What's I will up? be playing the role of TJ this afternoon. How's it TJ? going, Bobby? I Can I just call you TJ all episode? You know, it's fine. <laughs> get the pen out, you know, start doing some... Uh, a little, little moving, a little shaking here, talking up my Yachty and my Junior Camineros, and I think we're good to go. <laughs> Yeah, TJ has got some other things going on. I, I don't know how much he shared publicly, so I'll, I'll uh, you know, I think you know where we left off last episode. But TJ's a little busy right now, so he'll be back soon. But uh, uh, TJ's wife sent in a special message that she would appreciate him having a week off of the podcast. So thank you, Philly, for joining me. Your second appearance on the EFIS Baseball Cards podcast. Hey, you know, it's it's an honor to even be on the taxi squad getting the call, you know, <laughs> on those doubleheader days or, you know, when somebody goes the, down all of a sudden. So happy to be here. You got you got two option years left, so uh, we don't have to make a long-term decision just yet, but uh, we're using up your second option here in season three, so... Thank you I think for my joining. contract says I have like 46 options. So, Oh, really? Yeah, wow, I mean, really flexible. Was, you, uh, so you don't have Scott Boris as an agent? You mean? No, very very EFIS friendly contract. All right, so, well, at least respect. that means you're on a team right now because Scott right. Boris, oh my goodness. Are those, oh guys, my goodness. are those guys even going to be in Series 2 at this rate? Or? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. Oh, man, yeah. It was list, I, I listened to a bunch of different baseball not baseball card podcasts, a bunch of different baseball podcasts. And I just like thinking about like the Jordan Montgomery's, the Blake Snell's, the Cody Bellinger's. It's like, man, clock's ticking. This is going to, you know, this is going to start hurting them if they miss much more time. And depending on the type of deal they get, um, I don't think you want to miss all of spring training and then sign like a one-year prove-it deal. So Exactly. I mean, it makes sense, you know, in the NFL world where, you know, a running back wants to sit out the preseason because you're running, you know, you kind of get it. But, you know, with pitchers needing to build up the endurance and, you know, hitters needing to get the timing down, it's, um, it's going to make for a rough couple of months, you know, off the get-go of those guys waiting any longer. That's crazy. We'll see what happens. But uh, so we no one's heard from you for a while. Everybody heard from me uh, a couple weeks ago. How are things going on your end? Like, what have you been doing all off season? Um, oh man, I've I feel like it's been the shortest off season I've ever experienced. Just because there's so much like fun in the Discord. There's so many like little outlets these days to watch. You know. Caribbean World Series baseball or read up on college stuff and all the prospect lists and everything going on. So for me, man, like the time has flown by. It was still a drag to get here. But like today, 16 games of spring training on TV. Last night, watched some college baseball. You know, saw Hagen Smith from Arkansas striking out 17 of 18 batters he faced. Like absolutely insane performance. I mean, still. You're plugged into that. I don't. I don't know anything about the the prospects, the draft picks, none of it. But. Oh yeah, I mean, 
if I'll, I'll send you some clips later, but this kid for Arkansas was facing like the Oregon State team that's number five in the country. First fifteen outs were strikeouts, and oh then uh, it took a, like a diving catch on the other out, and then the other ones are strikeouts, and they pulled them. So like, just unreal, unreal. But man, baseball's back. Um, you know, cards sir, cards never left. Been collecting a lot of the uh, the rookies, this, you know, from the last maybe 15, 20 years. You know, Joe Mauer, Granky, all those guys, and trying to get McCrombs in line. So yeah, I've been having fun. Nice, same, kind of, kind of, kind of. The last two weeks have been crazy. So I'm still holding myself to a budget. Don't worry. But I sold a big junior Caminero. I sold my Caminero Sapphire Auto, just the base, not the Aqua yet. The Aqua's still up. You want the Aqua? Give me a holler. Um, but I sold the Caminero. I sold another big card, and it allowed me to make some purchases. So very excited. Um, before we dive into to Series 1, I'll tell you, I got the uh, 2010 Bowman Draft Manny Machado Gold card. Oh, so that that's a looker right there. It's beautiful. I mean, numbered to 50. Uh, it is not an autographed card. It's got like the facsimile autograph. That was the design on the card, but um, it's in an SGC nine. Uh, not too concerned about the grade. It's in awesome condition. That thing never leaving my PC. So yeah, that was I mean, my only fifty of them made. You don't want that one out of your hands. Yeah, that was my big move. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I got a nice a nice Fernando Tatis Jr autograph card from uh 2023 tops chrome update so it is a sticker Ooh. auto but it's a sick image it's like so you know it, it strikes a certain way for a padres fan because it's got him he's got his hat backwards he's got his shirt untucked and he's like kind of running into the infield to celebrate if you know like the padres you know fernando tatis you know that that means they just won a game hater got the save he's nice. coming in from the outfield to celebrate so just like one of those images. Um, and the other big one I got was uh, from Topped Chrome Sapphire from last year. I got a, an, an Andrew McCutcheon red sapphire out of Ooh. five. Yeah, so that's a that's a beautiful card. Those of you who don't know, I lived in Pittsburgh from 2010 to 2014. Um, prime Kutch years in the Berg. And it's just an awesome image. So I'm... Now that Kutch is back in the black and gold, I'm really collecting Kutch again, trying to get some nice Kutch Pirates cards. Not really interested in Kutch like Giants stuff, Brewers, Phillies, any of that. But do you have the Phillies SP with him like chained out and everything? Yeah, I do. Okay. That's, yeah, that's like the one exception I think you got to make if you didn't. Yeah, have it, but the Uncle Larry. Yeah, I got. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I take that back. I got two. I have two Kutch cards that are Phillies. So yeah, let me look. I. It's sorry. I had to go look at my wall. It's one of the cards in my display. It's a 2020 tops paper card. It's the SP it's, it's his uncle Larry card. There's a story behind it. It's hilarious. I won't tell the story. Look into it for yourself. Um, but then I've also got a 2021, 2021 Alan Ginter mini auto of him. Oh, cool. It's like uncle Larry. So it's like the mini card and the frame autographed by Kutch as well. So it's it's really funny story. Go on YouTube, do some deep dives. 
watch Andrew McCutcheon doing some uh, some interviews in character as Uncle Larry. <laughs> it is hilarious. Dude is yeah. awesome. So I, I'm really back. These I'm really happy that he's back. With Maybe maybe after his playing career, they get that character into a booth somewhere, or <laughs> do a little little post game, pre game, or some interviews or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. So we, remind me, we got to come back to Kutch. We got to come back to Kutch when we did, we're going to talk about Kutch like three more times. Actually. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's, he's not my going boy anywhere. He he's my boy. He's my boy. I got I got a lot of things for him uh, today, but let I think we should get into our main our main topic, which is. 2024 top series one. So mm-hmm. TJ and I did a bit of a preview uh, a few weeks ago. Um, that was just based on, you know, the promotional material reviewing the checklist. Um, but like we said back then, you know, you really have to get the cards into your hands to Definitely. really make judgment. We were concerned about the neon design. We were concerned about, well, maybe some people were concerned about the black edges. I wasn't quite as much, but um, yeah, every, every time you move to a new year, it's just kind of a, a different scene, a different vibe. Um, but what, what's been your experience so far, Philly? Like, what have you opened any packs? Have you opened any boxes, bought any singles? Like, what's your vibe so far with Series yeah, 1? Yeah, I mean, just kind of for the, the ceremony of it, you know, the first release of the year. Um, got a couple of blasters, um, got a few singles. Some Camonero kid, uh, you know, his 1989 <laughs> Mojo parallels. I got a 99 on the way and a uh, 125 out of 125 on the way. So, you know, kind of uh, building up some good Camonero stock. But no, I mean, it's been a nice rip. Um, I haven't hit many big things out of the packs yet. Oh, well, I mean, there's tons of time. There's tons of cool stuff out there, but I'm liking it so far. What do you think about the design? Has it is it better or worse than you thought? I I'm kind of at a uh, place of it is what it is, and I better get used to it. I think it's going to look really cool on like the Chrome sets later in the year um, when those colors can pop a little bit more. But yeah, yeah I mean, right now for me, it just kind of like stands out as like mid '90s alehouse, uh, you know, Budweiser neon light signs you know, for the, t- the team logos and everything. So like, it's not bad. And, you know, like ha- hopefully some of the people, you know, opening the cards don't even get the reference and they enjoy it. But yeah, for me, I, I mean, I could live without the neon, but I-, I like it more now than I did a couple months ago when I first saw it. On the spot, what's your grade out of five for the set design? Um, I'd give it a four. Nice. Yeah. I'm I mean, the same I, boat. I, I, like I like it. it. Yeah. I mean, if I yeah. had a, if I had a complaint, it's, you know, uh, Fanatics tops thing in general of like, you know, how many parallels is too many parallels. But, you know, how yeah. are you going to print more cards unless you add more parallels and make it, you know, seem like totally. it's more special. But, you know, even like the, the the holiday ones that are supposed to be Easter related, like I see like the Ellie Dominguez or, or Ellie De La Cruz rookie card on the holiday. <laughs> Ellie Dominguez. Ellie Here we Dominguez. go. <laughs> Super, super human. He's he's going to be the next uh, Trout, Mantle, and everybody else combined. But no, I mean, even like those cards look pretty good. Um, you know, the ones with the eggs on it are kind of silly. But, you know, for kids, they, they might really like that. I mean, I can tell you, you know, my daughter's going to like it when I hand her an egg card on Easter and, you know, some, some relic cards. She's getting starting to get into a little bit. Yeah. I, the egg and the Easter stuff, you know, 
I love the holidays and everything, just about all the holidays, but like, that's just not my jam. It's not yeah. for me on cards. I think really, I do like, for whatever reason, I like the, you know, the, the winter holiday, like the Christmas theme. Oh, totally. Essentially. I love those, but yeah, I'm not really hunting that. I've just, I, and some of the stuff that tops and fanatics, whoever you want to put it on, not for me in terms of all the parallels, but I get it. So I'm trying not to be an old grandpa that's just yelling it off yeah. the lawn. TJ's I mean, going to be so pissed when he listens to this. Oh, There's too I know. much positivity already. Way too much. <laughs> Way too much. But I mean, oh. like, you know, I guess another small complaint is like, and this is probably just me not researching enough, like, but where do I find what cards I'm looking for in terms of like, if I want to open something like I'm seeing these mega stars inserts that are numbered. Okay. I guess you have to go find a mega box. Okay. Well, where do I find that? And what are the odds on that? Okay. Well, I want this blue parallel. Where, where do I go find that? So like mm-hmm. for a guy like me, it's probably easier just to buy singles of what I want, but you know, it might be confusing for some folks out there. Yeah. Totally agree. And I had the experience as well. Like, what am I even looking at? What is this? So I I haven't opened any boxes. Um kind of holding true to that that goal for the year. So I didn't hit it. I didn't open any hobby products. Um but what I did see on like hobby boxes, I just watched a bunch of breaks. Once sorry, bunch of breaks on YouTube. And I feel a little disappointed in hobby products just based on what the hits are. And just, there's not very many, you get like one numbered card. Doesn't, it feels like in a hobby product, you should be getting more than that. And it's, it's one of those where it seems like tops like rotates around like some sets. It's better to get hobby. Some it's better to get retail. Like I, I think it was series I think it was series one last year or maybe it was series two where it was like the the jumbo boxes were just absolutely loaded yeah and like I do remember and that. retail yeah and retail was trash and it just feels like we flipped um but i did go out i, I bought one hanger box because i was like ah, i can't really do a series one review without holding the cards in my hands totally. without ripping something so I ripped a I ripped a hanger. Um, had a experience of what the hell is this card? Um, <laughs> I thought it was so. It was a nice Ronald Acuna card, flipped backwards. So I see Ronald Acuna. I see it turned backwards. Ooh. I see that it's not numbered. So I'm like, all right, what is this? I turn it around, and it, at first I thought I hit a gold foil, but something felt a little off. I'm like, this doesn't look quite gold. And then I was like, aren't mm. gold foils only in jumbo boxes or only in hobby boxes? So I had to like go online and research it, figured out it's a yellow foil that is a retail <laughs> exclusive. And then I went and found like found a Twitter account that calculates, you know, print run <laughs> on each product. I found out, hey, there's only about 300 of these printed. Pretty cool. Nothing crazy value, $20 card probably. I didn't see any comps yet because it's pretty rare. But I saw some stuff, the ones listed, there were maybe like two or three of them and they're around like 25, 30 bucks or best offer kind of thing. So I figured $20 card, Ronald Acuna, pretty damn cool. So I was happy with that. Um, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, you know, I wonder with some of the parallels and stuff, you know, we saw last year with the Bowman runs where they printed maybe too many of numbered cards and things got out there. 
I wonder if yeah. they're trying to move away from that a little bit more over time just to kind of cover their butts. Like who's actually going to prove that there's 300 versus 301 of these yellow yeah. parallels. Yeah. So, and then I got, I, I actually, I, so I was really, I know I got a nice Ronald Acuna card that those yellow foils are one in every 11 hanger boxes. So I got pretty lucky on the, on the retail hit side. Um, but I think that's cool. Like, so the one good thing is I think a lot of the times I look at the hobby and the products from the perspective of getting these big time hits and opening hobby product. But there are a lot of people who that's not the way they do this. They're going and getting a hanger box is like the highlight of their month. Like some kid, like right. some 12 year old who's collecting and I'm just transforming myself into 12 year old me. And I'm saying, okay, my dad or my mom or my grandparents spent 12, 13 bucks, got me a hanger. And I got this nice Acuna card. So I got a Austin Hayes numbered out of 499. This, I don't Dang. know what it's called, like uh, green, green foil board or something oh, like yeah. that. So kind of cool. I got my two hanger box exclusive. I essentially got a Boston Red Sox pack because I got an Alex Verdugo <laughs> yellow paper. And I got the Boston Red Sox team yellow paper. I got a Mookie Betts 1989 insert base. I really love the 1989 set design. Yeah, really cool. Exactly. Really love Mookie Betts. I got four of these stars of the MLB. The cards look pretty cool. They're pretty foily. Goldschmidt. Vlad Jr., Jordan, and a Henry Davis rookie. Not bad. I got got a Jeter blueprint card. Got a Corbin Carroll rookie cup. Henry Davis base rookie. Um, that was really it in terms of rookies. But, I mean, 12 13 bucks for that? I mean, it feels pretty good. Like, that, that actually feels yeah. like money well spent. And if you're ripping 20 of these, you're going to end up with a... Sh- a ton of paper that you don't want. But if you're just like trying to enjoy ripping a, ripping a pack for cheap and enjoying it. Like I thought that was a really good experience. Like, and I tried to just look at it from a different perspective than what I normally do. Yeah. No, I think, you know, there's a lot of advantages to that price point. I mean, you can build the set over, you know, the course of a year. And like you said, if it's just kids, you know, get a little by little and build it up and, (laughs) I don't know. I'd rather buy that for my kids than a $120 hobby box. And all you hit is a little $5 napkin card. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you get some good stuff. I mean, I feel I spent 25 on the blasters. I mean, I got all my rookies covered for the year. I, like you said, I got a couple nice parallels. I got some foil boards in there. Nothing earth shattering, but, you know, again, good rip for the price. Yeah. So I, I was satisfied with that. God, TJ is... TJ is probably sleep deprived somewhere and so pissed off listening to this because he <laughs> he did not give me any feedback for this episode, so I don't have any of his rants. I'm sorry. I'll try to find something to rant. About. Well, I I'm pretty sure I saw the other day too that he posted a Nico Horner autograph for sale out of 2024. So I know he's yeah. opened some, and I don't think he's going to like it anymore if his like big hit was a Cubs auto out of all things. So that that might really Should just be we, the icing uh, on the cake. Should we say what TJ got? I, I think I'm going to... I will make a TJ appearance. Let me let me pop in. Hold on. Let me walk out. Oh. I'm going to walk back in. Yo, this is TJ. I'm here. I'm a rapper. I'm, I got a new baby here. 
I ripped two blasters or hangers or some of that retail shit when I was at Walmart this weekend. And what I got, I got this Bryce Harper gold parallel. You know what I got when I opened the next one? I got this Bryce Harper. It's got a gold back. It's an SSP. I got the Bryce Harper Golden Mirror, and I sold it for four hundred dollars. No, well, which part? I mean, it's it's all gold. The last honestly. part. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like congrats to that, though. I mean, he sold it. I think just a couple hours later. Um, yeah, you know, threw it right on the bay, and you know, that's uh, more card money, more more diaper money. Who knows, man? It's it's going someplace good, I'm sure. TJ, I love you, man. I'm just giving you grief. Um, the, there's just a lot of positivity. I, I had to I had to bring some of the fire from TJ. He, he brings the attitude to the EFIS. It's like I just throw up the EFIS pitch, and then TJ comes in throwing 103. So. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of does the groin grab right after he strikes you out. <laughs> gives you the Kenny Powers, yeah. and I'm fucking it. I'm thinking AJ Burnett. AJ Burnett, when he yelled at the Dodgers, he's like, sit the F down. Man, a lot of a lot of Pittsburgh Pirates references today. A lot of Pittsburgh okay. Pirates. You can't hate on it. Oh man. So yeah, I got the I bought two singles so far from uh series one as well. They're both here. Uh they both home field advantage. So I got the Kutch oh, home yes. field advantage. Yeah, and like I said last episode, I think I said I wanted the Clemente Bridge and I wanted a pirate ship in the river. Mm-hmm. Pops did pretty good. They gave me the Clemente Bridge. They gave me uh, an image of downtown Pittsburgh with uh, a view of the point, if you're familiar with downtown Pittsburgh, where the rivers meet. Um, There is an image of the steel building, if you're a Pittsburgh guy. I used to work on floor 52 of the steel building. It was incredible. My office view looked straight into PNC Park. I mean, from really... Yeah, really high and really far away, but it was it was the coolest office I've ever had in my life. Like super sweet. Um, you can you, you would never be able to figure out what was going on during a day game, but really cool. Um, so I was happy with that card. I thought I thought the Tatis card was amazing too. Just I, I just really like the design of the home field advantage cards this year. I feel yeah. like Pops really up their game. I would agree, and I think you know not only just in design terms too, but you know, they kind of up the quality in terms of like the players on the checklist again. They've brought back some of the legends ones. Um, you know, for a while it seemed kind of touch and go last year, and I kind of fell off collecting the HFAs and really had this yeah. grand plan at one time, like, oh, let's get all 2022, 2023, let's get the whole run. But I don't know, it kind of burned out when I started seeing some pretty uh, low level guys get some cards and how common they were. But man, I, yeah. I might be back in. I remember because I think I bought the. I think I bought Juan Soto with the Nats mm-hmm. from 2022, and I bought the Mookie 2022 from you when you yeah. were selling off some of them. So I love those cards. Um, so if you guys, like, they, speaking of, like, rarity and print runs, so really good Twitter account or X or whatever it's called, at TopsBB is the handle. Um, but really, this this guy does, he calculates the approximate print run for all the major products, for all the major inserts. And uh, that's where I got my number of 300 or so of those yellow foils. This is where I go anytime I want to know how many of a card there is. And here's what's crazy. He's got this tweet. I'll let you guess, Philly. What do you think Mm -hmm. the print run on 
home field advantage cards is like of each home field advantage how many how many cards were printed i'm gonna ask one follow-up question then i'll answer it is is this including legends or is this just like one number for everything i'm gonna ask you here i'm gonna ask you three different four different questions okay i'm gonna ask you for each home field advantage for each legendary home field advantage for each golden mirror and I'm going to ask you gold foils. Okay. So first, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say for home the field advantage. Phase, yeah. Oof. How about 2,800? Let's go high. <laughs> Higher. <laughs> oh, oh, really exclusive. We're getting into I, uh, late 90s I, parallels. I was shocked by the number. I'll just say that completely shocked and i've not validated these numbers but this guy's usually pretty good yeah he's been at this for a while and it's where i go are we over seven thousand? we are wow over <laughs> i'll just over 12 I'll, no under i'll just give you the number nine thousand one hundred fifty two. that's a ton of home field mm-hmm. advantage cards so they yeah. are not not all that rare so, so you're saying i don't need to pay 150 dollars this week for ellie's home field advantage because uh They'll be there for a while and plenty of them. I think I lost you for a sec. Can you repeat for me? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I think uh might have had a little internet cut out there. So you're telling me I don't need to spend 150 bucks on Ellie's home field advantage this week because they will be there for a little bit and there's a few of them I, going around. I think that they will be. And as but legendary home field advantages, how many you think on that? Mm. This was shocking as well, I'll tell you that. All right, you're pretty close. 105. So those okay. are super rare. Um, and we'll yeah, come that's back, back to, to like we got 2022's numbers. I mean, those are hard to come by. And man, you paid for it if you want wanted one. Yeah, and we got a really good question um, from one of our from one of our shareholders. Let me read it because I think it fits right into what we're talking about. Uh, so Metsy had the question. I don't know how common a phenomenon this is, but there were a couple cards recently I passed on around release thinking they would drop in price, but they actually went up. He references a few of them, like a Bartolo Cologne autograph from when he hit a Homer mm. uh, from archives. It was, 40 or something and went up like 50% to like 60 bucks. And, uh, and, uh, Francisco Alvarez stadium club nineties variation was pretty cheap. It was like 20 bucks. And then when people realized how low printed it was, it spiked. So he asked if that ever happened to you. I don't know if it happened to you, but I have a few where it happened to me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like early on, like the first year, first season of Julio, um, I definitely, could have jumped in on a lot more Bowman than I did. And, you know, after the fact, like I wanted a mojo of his first going into spring training thinking, Hey, this guy could be something pretty cool. Didn't go for it when it was like 20 bucks. Oh, next thing I know, six months later, it's over a hundred. And it's still, you know, way up there in price. If you want a good quality graded one. Yeah. Guys like that, man. I mean, where it's just buyer's remorse that I didn't jump in, you know, on the prospects sometimes. Yeah. I, so where I see it happening or where I've seen it happen is on cards that are much more rare than people think. 
in cards where the stock of the player is also increasing. At least mm-hmm. for me, that's what the two things have kind of coincided together. Um, I don't know about the Bartolo Cologne thing. I think it, maybe it's people just didn't know that that image was out there. And when they did, they were like, holy smokes, Bartolo Cologne hitting a homer. This is epic. I need that card. Um, but yeah, the, I saw that the, going for 90 bucks around the first couple of weeks of a release on it. And I mean, dang. Maybe if, a if you're a fan of, of Bartolo, the Mets are just big fat dudes hitting baseballs. I mean, like that's the grail <laughs> right there, man. Yeah. So the the ones that I saw were uh, some of the Golden Mirrors last year. So particularly the Tatis from Series One, it was going like a hundred, a hundred twenty five dollars, and then two weeks later, it was over two hundred bucks. I don't Ooh. know where it's at now. It's probably come back down, but it was one of those where we realized how rare those golden mirror cards were in series one. And then we tried to project it to series two thinking that there were as many as series one, but series two has a lower print run. The odds weren't any better on golden mirrors. So they were actually even more short printed. So I saw the same thing with Corbin Carroll. I was Mm. in like a psychopath bidding for Corbin Carroll golden mirror cards, I think around 600 bucks and they were going for like 700 and I was like, nope, that's way too much. Yeah. I, I would be an idiot to do that. And then they were gone from the market for a while. Oof. I think they've come back down yeah. to where they were, but they spiked. Uh, and the third one for me was where I was on the other side of it. Uh, for Series 2 release in um, 2022, Series 2 release, the J Rod 1987 auto, I got it for oh, three hundred. I got it for three hundred dollars on release day. I think people thought that oh, it's not numbered; it's a base right. auto. There's going to be a ton of these, and it was like five hundred dollars a week later. And then as J Rod got hot, it was just way more than that. So I, I really won out on that. So I think what you, where you're going to see it is cards that are more rare then are maybe noticed. So things that are desirable, but they, they aren't numbered. So they don't like, we're all about, Oh, like what's your numbered cards? Or I only got this many numbered cards, but you can have a really desirable and rare card that is not numbered. Um, You could also have a really rare card that no one gives a damn about, but isn't totally true. (laughs) So it's just reading. It's a tricky proposition, but I think like this Twitter handle that I mentioned, the tops BB, like where it talks about print runs, it can kind of tell you what's, what's rare and what's not, because it's, it's really hard to tell when you just walk, watch three or four box breaks um, and look at eBay. You, you really have to like understand the big picture zoomed out a bit further. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, out of all the thousands and thousands of rips, you know, I, the, the one you occasionally see on Reddit that's through the roof is not the norm. Um, so it's yeah. kind of good to know what you're working with. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I don't know. I, I guess I'm bummed. I didn't get in on Ken Waldachuk earlier, you know, <laughs> I think I hear there is a hot market all of a sudden, uh, dude. Like I think they were twenty five cents this year. Now you can get like um, the tops gilded auto for like four bucks. I mean, talk <laughs> about growth. That's I, you're the accountant, man. You can do the numbers on that, but that's that's just a huge increase. <laughs> Has anybody bought the super fractor yet? The tops chrome super fractor that we found. Not, not yet. Oh, it's still no. up. It's still up. So for those of you who are not in the Discord, first off. Why not? Come on. It's amazing. 
Um, and for those of you that actually, for those of you who aren't in the Discord, we got a thing for Ken Waldachuk. We've got some Ken Waldachuk super collectors who are just all over Ken Waldachuk. We're cornering the market, a, really. Really, we are. And I, you know, he's starting the season on the 60 day DL, so I think it's another buying opportunity. But he's got a uh, a 2023 Topps Chroma Update Super Fractor sticker auto for uh, 199 bucks up on eBay. So I'm surprised none of our super collectors of Ken have jumped on it. It's an opportunity. I'm just gonna say I don't know, but what well, I'm gonna ask you two more print run questions. Back to that gold foils, not numbered. How many are gold there? foils not numbered? Oh, it's like the gold rainbow Four, foil. Yeah, four twenty. That's a great number, but it's eight ninety nine. But still pretty rare. So people like look at the gold paper parallel, and they look at the gold foil, and it's an instance where the numbered version there are way more of them than the unnumbered version. But it's also an instance where. The one that is more common is actually more valuable than the one that's more rare. So this hobby is weird. We've got our perceptions and we've got our things that we do. It's hard. You just got to like read the market and understand like what people are thinking and after. All right. What about golden mirrors? How many of those do you think we got? Hmm. Man, last year it was what? In the 300 range? Something like that. They, uh, I'm thinking they maybe went even a little rare and say 250. Even more rare than that, shockingly. Wow. 142. So, yeah. Okay. So if you see one at a a fair price, grab it. Yeah, go for it. Um, Are there any that you're after? Are you going down in the uh, Golden Mirror rabbit hole at all? There's a really cool George Kirby one where he's doing his All-Star Game presser that I'd love to get. Um, And then they have like a Mariners Fan Fest thing the last week at a march up here. Yeah. you know, see if I can get a little ink on it if he's there. But oh, that yeah, I mean, any any of the Mariners ones, you know, I got the Kirby and Cal and Julio, you know, Gatorade baths, you know, all those. So I love I love getting those ones. Um, yeah, probably the George Kirby for sure. How about that Julio one? You gonna go for that? <laughs> Is that the Trident one? Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like I've got a couple tops now cards, so I don't yeah. know for me like if it's worth. The, pay, the asking price, like if I hit one, I'm I'm ecstatic and it's like never going anywhere. But for what people are going to want for it, I don't know if it's worth it to me. Dude, it's insane. So I, I was just checking this morning and like there's an au- auction with like a day and a half left. It's got 43 bids and it's at $600. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. So those, Julio. Uh, yeah, the dream that I had of that card uh, not happening. But for me, I like the, uh, you know, I really like the the Hassan Kim. It's a really cool one. He's like wearing, he's like on the field wearing this like white sleeveless shirt. And he just looks like a beast. There's only one up on eBay. And I put an offer in for it last night. I got a counter, put in another offer. So let's see if, I'm hoping, all right, my counter offer okay, hasn't been responded nice. to. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to try to have that one bought by the time this episode drops, especially since the, uh, especially since it's so rare and, you know, 
there's only one of them up there. So I don't want anybody to hear this, see the image and take my card. <laughs> I like the Tatis as well. I think I would like the Tatis. Um, but, you know, a little bit more expensive being Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, the Juan Soto as well. Amazing I don't know. Card. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm digging the C.J. Abrams one. Oh, really? It looks like he's uh, he's sliding down a hill on some cardboard. Let me take a look. Let's consult the old Google machine. Uh, where are you finding these? Is there like a library somewhere? Or you just eBay? Oh, no, I just it. I see it. I just, see it. Yeah. That's cool. I feel like there were a bunch of cards like that last year. I think it was like Orioles Golden Mirrors. So, really cool. So, for Series 2, or is this like Series 1 next year, with the new uniforms, we start getting like see-through mirrors. Oh, my God. Where well, like each card has like a picture of the guy's junk on it, or like a picture from behind, like of his jock strap, seeing through the pants. Yeah. It's those car, or those pants are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. Brutal. It's pretty on brand that if you go to Target and you see a bunch of value packs, you can actually see through the front and the back of the value packs. So maybe <laughs> fanatics. So you could see two of the cards that you're going to get. Granted, they're going to be base, but you know if you can see an Ellie and or something like that, you know that's a pack worth buying. Grabbing. You, you pretty much can cover just about your cost of the pack um, with that one card. So. Word to the wise, just a heads up. What do you, I think last thing I'm going to ask about Series 1, and then we're going to move on. Um, what what do you think about these team logo uh, parallels? I like them. I think it's, it's kind of hijacking like the color match, you know, concept a lot. Um, yeah. You know, so seeing like the little emblems in the sides, it's not bad. But I mean, I, I thought it was fun, perfectly fine, just, you know, color matching cards when possible and getting those kind of rarities and seeing how cool they looked. I mean, you know, my thing in December with like the Bowman stuff was, you know, fair price was grabbing like a Grayson Rodriguez Orioles, you know, Sapphire Orange to get the color match. It doesn't have the logos on it. I'm perfectly fine without that. So. I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it. Maybe when I see one more in person, I might feel a little yeah. differently, but it's okay. I think, it de- I think it depends on the team. Yeah. Some of them look really good. Some of them, in my opinion, don't. But maybe if it's your team, you feel good about it. So I was like, this is one that I was like, not really sure. I didn't comment on it before. But now I'm like, you know, like I do like these, but... I, I'm not going to go crazy with any expensive like set builds this year. So like yeah. last year I did like all the golden mirrors. I'm not going to do that this year. The set that I'm going to continue building every year is every Padres paper gold. Like nice. so this year it'll be numbered out of 2024. It's really cool being a Padres fan because it's a nice color match. It's a natural color match. It's a numbered card and it is like kind of the gold standard of parallels, in my opinion, because golds are the first. Um, really easily recognizable, and they're not expensive. There are so many of them out there. Unless you have a big rookie, it's not going to be all that expensive. Um, yeah, so I mean, can... no, no surprise. The Ellies are through the roof right now, but yeah, you know, Dominguez as well. 
of course. So have, the you one seen, that I, have you seen the Juan Soto Yankees SSP pop up yet? I have. I think I uh, I think I saw one that had a week left, and it was at like four hundred dollars already <laughs> on oh, auction. Lordy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, let me see if we can uh, find that guy on YouTube. Yeah, I can't imagine on, the uh, price on yeah. one of the Shohei Dodgers Cops, ones as well. Juan Soto Yankees. Let's see, twenty-four. Oh, I'm going to get a bunch of stupid pop-ups for other shit. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, I see a one thousand dollars or best offer. <laughs> uh, I see one with seven days and five hours left. It's got twenty-three bids. It's at three hundred ninety-five bucks. Um. Yeah, it's cool. Good, good for them. It's cool. I mean, it's not a rookie card. It's just yeah. yeah, it's really cool. I mean, but like that again, it's amazing if you pull it. But right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out and buy it. Uh, I think it's it's definitely got a market for Juan Soto super collectors or Yankee super collectors or just like Yankees totally. fans that are looking to buy a big Juan Soto card. Uh, but I think the hype will. It'll always be a unique card, but it's it goes back to the conversation of when you see that in a card display or at a card show in five years or 20 years. Is anybody going to know what they're looking at, or does that just look like an, another Juan Soto base card? You right. know? And once Series 2, an update comes out, I mean, and he's in his Yankees gear, I mean... Yeah, there's nothing... In, yeah, there's nothing incredible about the image either. You know, like it would be different if, you know, something cooler somehow, like yeah. him literally, well, I guess Soto was traded, but uh, like Shohei literally like in a, in a shirt and tie with a Dodgers jersey over it, signing a contract like, or like that. Shohei, Shohei ripping off the Toronto jersey <laughs> mid-flight <laughs> to reveal a Dodgers jersey Ooh. and the NWO hat right on top. Man, you might get. So we have a pretty big listener base in Toronto and in Canada in general. So, uh, mm, so I'm, I'm making friends right now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so, but <laughs> mm. yeah, I, so I really like it. Um, I think it's cool to give, give things to chase, I guess. Um, yeah. I like, I like seeing chase cards, but I, I think the one Padres team logo parallel that i'm going to get is again hassan kim so i'm going to give you a moment look at that hassan kim card like just his team logo match parallel it's just an incredible image and it just it just seems to vibe i guess is what i'm getting at i really like the card yeah and maybe it's maybe it's i'm biased i'm a padres card so it's like it's hassan kim Coming into home plate, it looks like at Coors Field. Uh, so they've got like the sand-colored Padres road away jerseys that say San Diego, the pinstripes ones. He's got his hands out, looking at the sky, looking like he's about to touch home plate after a home run with some cool shades on. It's just, it's just got vibes. I, I love it. And the color of the jersey and the color of the pot, just everything flows together. So I really like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I like the way they put in the logos on that. I mean, it, it almost gives it just kind of like a gold etching like border to it, as opposed to just like some clunky Padres logos. Yeah. It, it's that's pretty oh, cool. I have one more thing to say about series one, then we're really done. 
okay. thing that the thing of why I think you need to have the cards in hand before you pass judgment on the set design is the nice touch that I really like is if you look close at the cards in the light, the neon is kind of foil and the outline around the image on the card and the outline around the logo and the player position, it's got like a hint of foil to it. And I just Mm. think that was a really, really nice touch. And if you haven't noticed or you haven't seen one of these in hand, when you get them in hand, just take a look. You'll notice, and especially if you're looking at them in light, you'll notice. It's it's pretty cool. I like it. So, and to your first point, these are going to, I think these are going to be absolute fire in Topps Chrome Mm. colored parallel. Like, like refractors are going to look incredible. Oh god, yeah. Gold refractors, blue refra- like the works. Like these are going to look incredible. I think this is going to I think it's just going to really look great in chrome. So, no, I'm excited totally. for that. I mean, it's hard to hard to mess up chrome unless you're 2022, but uh it yeah, can be I, done. I, I'm sure there's people out there that uh, <laughs> would be willing to prove you wrong again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just said it was hard to mess it up. It can Curry. still be messed up. Um, all right. Cut on series one. I think we like it. I like it. I'm satisfied. Tops hasn't pissed me off, actually. So that's good. Um, and TJ of, can respond next time and maybe balance out the overall vibe, you know. Let me tell you how it's going to start. I'm going to ask him to respond, and you're going to get the... <sighs> <laughs> it like kind of reminds me of Roy Kent a little bit in like a lovable way, like the the harsh exterior and the heart of gold underneath. Because TJ is an awesome guy, we give him shit, but he does so much for this community and so much for both of our podcasts. So, oh, the best I mean, man! Seriously, thank you, TJ. We love giving you grief, but you're incredible. Thank you so much, and we're we're so excited for you. And so excited for you to share your big news formally with uh, the rest of the community, maybe in next week's episode or two weeks from now, I guess. So, heck yeah. All right. Enough kissing up to TJ. And tops. Yeah. <laughs> and tops. Let's, uh, let's talk about somebody else that, oh, we do need some negativity. Baseball Writers Association. Let's talk about the let's talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so for those of you who are not familiar, uh, we've got three new people voted into the Hall of Fame as of about a month ago. It's Adrian Beltre got in on the first ballot with 95 percent. You've got Joe Maller eking in at 76 percent on his first ballot. Todd Helton on his sixth ballot at 79 percent. Um, before we talk about those players and some of the guys that missed and some of the guys who are coming onto the ballot next year, I'm going to ask you, Philly, how does the Hall of Fame impact how you collect? You know, it definitely resonated with me this year um, with TJ doing a lot more of those PSA subs. Um, I kind of used it as an advantage to send in like rookie cards or, you know, I had a, a dual auto of Roland and Beltre you know, from uh, one of the upper deck sets and, you know, like, oh, wait, this thing's going to have two Hall of Famers on it all of a sudden. Um, so definitely it's put me in a lot more of a mindset to go back and like, what's the rookie card I can get from guys that are playing now 
that's going to be so much more expensive, you know, come Hall of Fame time. I know I'm going to want it then, but like, you know, should I just grab myself a Trey Turner Chrome Prism Refractor rookie right now because that's what I'm going to want while it's, you know, a fair price? Or do I just need to, you know, go for them all, see what I can get? Yeah, it's tough. What would you, so I think I know the answer to this, but like, would you ever solely collect a player just because he's in the Hall of Fame? Do you feel Mm. an obligation? I think for me, you know, and again, this kind of stems to my love for like the 2023 Gilded. Like there's a lot of guys like from our era, you know, like Dave Winfield, Paul Molitor, um, Robin Yount, where like they had a good auto in there. And I'm not necessarily going to PC those guys on the side, but like because they're Hall of Famers, because I saw them play, I wanted to have a nice card of them. Like that's yeah. kind of where I'm going with it, and maybe building up my stash a little bit more on the Hall of Fame autos, and instead of you know this many Bowman prospect autos that may or may not be something someday. Yeah, there are a lot of people, particularly like people that do vintage. Um, who will solely collect Hall of Famers, and it's like a requirement for them. So, like, wow, an yeah. example is like, oh, Mini Minoso gets into the Hall of Fame, and now, now I really need that high graded Mini rookie card, like things right. like that. Um, so there, there's like that's just something to be aware of. It doesn't mean it's the right or wrong answer, but there are a lot of people out there who are. Like they need a rookie card and an autograph of every single guy in the Hall of Fame, like you oh, know, I mean, within it, within reason, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's like, definitely a market mover, you know, when those announcements come around. I mean, you see, you know, those guys, Maurer and um, you know, Helton, all their prices went up. Beltre, like right around Hall of Fame time, and even after the announcement, I mean, people are just like clamoring for the cards. Oh God, I got to get a Joe Maurer Topps Chrome rookie. Where, why don't I have that? Oh man, I got to yeah. get a Joe Maurer auto. Yeah. So I think it's just something to be aware of because it's a market mover. It, do- it doesn't have to move your PC. Um, no. It doesn't doesn't really move my PC. And I don't personally feel like, um, I don't think I've, we talk about getting into the Hall of Fame or not. We had a whole episode talking about like the top 10 rookie cards last year of like our era. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things was, Oh, like, like Bryce Harper is an example. Here's where is, where he's at. Is he going to be a hall of famer? Like I'm going to pro- collect Bryce Harper stuff regardless. Like I'm not a Bryce Harper super collector, but like, right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not buy his card. If I see his numbers drop off and him knock it in and I'm not going to buy more of him if he gets voted in, in the future. So it's not like really going to move it for me. It's more of like, this is a marathon to me. So I'm like planning. So like guys like um, Manny, I feel like Manny's under, underappreciated, underrated. And if he keeps, keeps, and I know he's disliked for a lot of reasons for a lot of things that he's done young when he was younger, but like, he is one of our few guys left with a chance to hit some of these major milestones, like 3000 hits. And I I think he's going to be a hall of famer. And I think when we look back, we're going to view him in a different light than we do today. So that's why I'm like, I feel Manny pricing is low right now. So I'm going to buy my Manny now, like make sure I have all the key cards that I want. And I'm doing the same thing on a lesser scale with guys like Mookie, who I collect a lot of cards of. um, And, you know, 
like here's a perfect one. Like Ichiro is on the ballot mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. So if you want Ichiro cards, I suggest you buy them now. <laughs> because yes, exactly. Yeah. Like people have forgot about the greatness of Ichiro. Like he was he hasn't played in the majors for a bit. He was, you know, not quite the same player at the end of his career just because he played so long. But when we right. look back and when Ichiro gets Man, he better get a hundred. He might. He better be a unanimous. Yeah. But there's going to be some a hole that doesn't vote him in for some reason. Um, That's still just so bizarre is. to me. I mean, even you know, in a year like this where Beltre gets ninety five, it's like, well, what was the well, what was the other five percent? You know, not convinced on. I mean, what did he need to do? I, I mean, it's well, always been that way, and you know, it probably always will be, but. At the end of the day, like, come on, guys, don't don't be controversial just for the sake of getting people to click on your article. It's because these people sit up on their high horse and like they're like, oh, well, in order to get in on the first ballot, you have to be X. Yeah, And it's they're not holding them to Hall of Fame standards. They're holding them to something higher. And even bigger than that is. In order to be a unanimous Hall of Famer, you have to be this because i forget mm-hmm. who was it was it was it mo rivera that was not unanimous i forget yeah but there I was there were like was, jeter but... or something one of one of our big legends and it's just like really like let's use some common sense and take right. that person's <laughs> freaking vote away like yeah. give me a break like it's just so stupid like some of these guys with uh, and you could say what you will about any of them but like there are no doubters based on on the field, and they've got no strikes against them in terms of you know the right. big no nos. So it's like, what the hell are we doing? It's like one of those people just get. Ugh. All right, yeah, there we I go. Mean, there's my TJ. Uh, there, there's something to be said for you know, like I don't know. Sometimes you get the Hall of Famers that are kind of borderline that do get in, having to share it with like you know an all timer, like a legend of the game. And it's like, do they really deserve to share the same stage on the same day? And yeah, it's all one Hall of Fame at the end of the day. But yeah. like, I, I kind of get where there there is a little bit of tears. I can see that. Yeah, there's definitely an inner circle of Hall of Famers that are a level above the rest of them. But you know, this I'm gonna I'm gonna say a Mike Tomlin line because we're just talking all <laughs> Pittsburgh today over here. The standard is the standard. So. Right. Like he always says the standard is the standard. Like, and that's like when somebody's underperforming, when somebody's hurt. But if you have a standard for the Hall of Fame, that is the standard. There is no super great Hall of Fame and Hall of Fame. Like, there is one Hall of Fame and you've got a standard. Yes, some will be better than others. It's the same as are you a major league baseball player? All right. Yes. Shohei Otani is a Major League Baseball player, and guess what? So is Ken Waldachuk. Like, everybody knows that Ken Waldachuk is way better than Shohei Otani, but Shohei still is allowed on the field with Ken, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's, it's a disgrace, but here we are. <laughs> I don't know. All right, there's my rant. Um, yeah, so I, it's cool, though. It's fun to project. It's always fun to talk. The same way I think you love projecting prospects. I mm. love project like I love projecting Hall of Famers. Like I'm already looking at Bobby Witt Jr. I'm looking at J Rod and I'm like, right. do they do they have the numbers? Like are they building their case? And 
like you have to build the case early. Like there are a lot of metrics yes. out there that that say that you really got a debut in your early twenties for the most yeah, part. Very there are some did. exceptions. Yeah. Very yeah, rarely is a, a guy twenty seven years old, you know, making yeah. that big of a splash. Yeah. Um, and it it surely happens. So but usually you gotta start putting up those numbers early. And that's why yeah. guys like Julio, uh, Juan Soto, Bobby Witt Jr., even Tatis when he before, you know, the fall from grace. Um there was hope for Vlad Guerrero Jr. I, I think we've, yeah, we're we'll starting see. to. I think we're starting to to see some pretty big divergence there. But Bryce Harper, like the guys that debut young, have mm-hmm. significantly better odds, and that's why it's good to use caution when guys debut older. Like even look at the Baltimore Orioles, Gunner and Adley. Yeah, I'm not saying who's better, but just looking at age and production. Gunner's got a way higher chance of being a Hall of Famer. Thus, mm-hmm. long term, Gunner is likely to have higher pricing than Adley. There's also the whole position thing, but right. like Adley's going to be a fan favorite. He's but he's already 26 years old, playing a position that you know beats you down. Gunner's right. a 20 year old third base shortstop. You know, not even into right. his prime yet. So you're right. There's right. a there's there's a difference. I think it's and again, it doesn't need to be like. There, there is no, uh, like, to me, there's not, oh, he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's too old. You shouldn't collect them. No, 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 no. I don't agree with that. Some people do, but it's just good to be aware. So, yeah. I don't know. All right, let's talk about some of the guys that actually are in. Yes. Um, Beltre. Uh, I'm going to ask you, do you have any big Adrian Beltre? Uh, and whether you do or do not, what would be the card that you would recommend people go out and look at? And it's okay if you don't have that because I did some prep work and I have a card for each of these players. Nice. So I will say I've got cards of all of them because um, they all debuted around the time where I was kind of like on the back end of my first collecting hype. Um, so like the Beltre, I've got his 90, I've got 97 Bowman, the international you know, backdrop on that, um, send it off to get graded. We'll see how it comes out. I mean, it's probably an eight, but you know, it's a guy I watched in the Pacific coast league, you know, for Albuquerque, just raking. Um, and then I, like I said earlier, I got that Beltre Roland dual auto, the upper deck card. Uh, awesome it, it didn't card. get it graded, but it only got a six. So it's okay. kind of like, why sell it? You know, that's just keep it for me. That's so cool. Um, yeah. kind of like, happy almost that it didn't get a nine or a 10. So that way I wasn't feeling the obligation to move it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. For me, Beltre, I actually don't have any Beltre cards. Um, I'm one of the unfortunate people that my early collection, like my prime collecting years were, I would say 1991 to 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my early, and also, my parents pitched all the cards. So I'm one no. of those unfortunate souls. But yep. um, so on another note, oh boy, on tops inserts were up to 1989. I absolutely love the 1990 top set design, like the Griffey oh, Jr. Yes. Rookie Cup. So I think we're in for some fun with 1990 inserts next year. And I'm really excited personally for 91 to 94. Like that's something for me to look forward to for the next five years. I think they're awesome oh, totally. cards. Um, 
but I, I digress back, bring myself back in for Adrian Boucher. I'd be looking at Bowman Chrome too. Uh, so 1997 Bowman Chrome, uh, like particularly probably like a refractor. He's like, kind of like got the, in the dugout, like, I don't know if he's leading on the dugout or a bat or something mm. in a Dodgers Jersey. Um, but it's a nice card. Uh, some of those older refractors are really, really cool. So that would be my move, but I don't have any Beltray. Yeah. And I would say too, the thing that, that, it makes the Beltre Roland auto special for me is it's one of the few cards where he's actually featured as a Mariner. I mean, oh, there, Julio, there was such like a, a gap in, you know, success and, you know, top tier talent that like having Beltre around, even on mediocre teams, like here's a guy with a fun personality that can absolutely rake and him and Felix were always, you know, messing around, goofing with, with each other. So I don't know, just as a Mariners fan, a little extra nice for me. He's a guy that, like, I forgot he even played for the Mariners. He played right. for so many teams. Like, I, I just pulled up fan graphs. Dodgers, Mariners, Red Sox, Rangers. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it actually feels it was like, like one year. I, was it a one-year deal in Boston? Yeah, or something like that? yeah, yeah, just one year in Boston. Um, a monster year, but one year, uh, 6.4 war that year. So that was a good year. Yeah, once, I, for once some, he got it at a T-Mobile Park, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this guy's Adrian Beltre. He can mash. I mean, that, yeah, that park didn't do him any favors. Yeah, it looks like he really, I mean, he put up decent numbers, but he didn't, those were not the best years of his career. Yeah. Uh, he, like, just kind of was steady. Like, he, again, to the point that we talked about, he debuted at 19, and he played till he was 39, and he had positive war in every season. And I know some of you are going to say, ah. Oh, Stop talking about war. Okay, I agree with you in some respects, but it's just an easy, <laughs> easy one number to look at. To truly analyze a player, I completely agree. you got to look at much more than that. But if I'm looking at a Fangraphs page and trying to gloss over a player quickly, it's the easy way, so cop out by me. Um, I, mean, I thought he played for not, more teams. You know, we... Sorry, go for it. I mean, that's not bad, right? But yeah, I mean, the war thing, like whether or not we like it or respect it as a stat, it is like one of the, the top measurements that, you know, the writers are using to validate whether a guy's, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. And, you know, that's worth something, especially in terms of like what cards you're going to buy. Like, I mean, you said Bobby Witt and Julio. I mean, those guys yeah. are tracking alongside some of the all-time greats. So that's a good sign. What's your magic number and more? If I had to put you on the spot, what's the Hall of Fame and you're in? And again, I'm not saying that this is how it should yeah. be, but if it were to be, what's the number in your end? I think once you get past 60, it's, uh, it's exact probably a number. slam dunk. Yeah. yeah, that's the exact number that I had in my head. And all the sites calculate war differently, too. So that's right. the other complication. Yeah. It's like, really, we're going to use this metric that nobody even calculates the same? And I don't even know how it's calculated. I'm just trusting these stat heads because they're smart. Exactly. Um, I don't know. All right, Joe Mauer, first ballot Hall of Famer. What you got on Joe Mauer? I think I, I think I've seen some Joe Mauer in your collection. Maybe I've, I've got the um, the Mauer two thousand two Chrome, you know, bat on the shoulder right out of the draft um, card. Again, that's off getting graded too. Like, why not get these things protected? Um, the one that got away though, I could probably go and find it again. I used to have a Mauer and Francisco Liriano dual auto. And just, I mean, like if you were a baseball fan from like, you know, 2007, 2012, you watching Liriano pitch and then Maurer come up with Morneau and those guys like that team was filthy. That was a fun team. 
very fun team. Shout out to Francisco Liriano for his pirate years, because I'm naming all things Pittsburgh today. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, so, I, and I was chasing, I was chasing a Joe Mauer when I opened that 2002 Bowman Chrome box that you mm. recommended. Um, I hit a base, I think. If I look back, I think I've got a base first Bowman, uh, ungraded, nothing special. But the card that I thought was really interested is his 2002 Topps Chrome Gold Refractor. So it is not a numbered card, and I just like the I like the set design that year. And it's it's really I mean it is expensive, but it's not it's not as much. But you're as gonna you get think. one, right? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up so I can see the price again. Like I, you know, the first result here is. A BGS mm. nine for three ninety nine or best offer. It's just a cool card to me. I like the set design. Um, I just think it's a cool card. I don't know how many of them were made, but just on eye appeal alone, that would be the one for me. Just on eye appeal. Again, I haven't looked at print runs, yeah. value, or anything like that. I just think it's a cool card. I mean, it looks like you know raw or uncooked, as we say over on Tool Time. Uh, you can get one for like two hundred. So, I mean, like, okay. you know, you're still going to pay for it a little bit, but at the same time, it's a pretty cool card. Oh, there's even one on auction with three days and six hours left, 45 bucks right now. So, you know. Somebody I'm, was prepared. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Yeah, good stuff. I wonder if that's a somebody was prepared and had it in their PC or somebody bought it, trying to gem it and mm-hmm. took a look at it and said, ooh. Never mind. Never mind. The next, yeah. Not sure about that one. All right. Um Joe Maurer, awesome. What about Todd Helton? I saw a card that you just got back from PS. Yeah. Tell me about it because I'm jealous of that card. Totally. Um, You know, like you, kind of that same era, you know, 90s. One of the few full sets I had was like the 1993 Tops Traded. um, And that had in a lot of like top tier prospects that were on Team USA that year. So that's kind of like planting the early seeds for my Stars and Stripes love. But my dad and I used to have uh, season tickets for the Tacoma Rainiers, the AAA affiliate of the Mariners. And so every game I'd go hang out, get autographs. And I was lucky enough to get Todd Helton on that card, kept it in good shape ever since, and just got it back from PSA all slabbed up, safe, ready to go for, you know, Phil Jr. and Phil the third, and, and so on and so on. But no, I mean, it's one of my favorite cards and happy, happy for him. He was always a fun player to watch and happy for me to have that card. It's an awesome card. We talked about it last year on the worst episode I've ever released, which is uh, season one, episode eight or ten. It was the Hall of Fame episode that I'm not proud of. <laughs> oh, the Fred McGriff episode? No, no. It was it was later. It was like called My Hall of Fame Ballot. It's the one I got hate mail on, and maybe that's Ooh. why I felt bad about it after. But somebody oh. like made me feel really bad about myself by the messages that they sent me. <laughs> and I went on like a one-month hiatus from the pod to like go back to the drawing board of what I wanted to do. It was like one of those times, honestly, where it was like, so I'm an accountant, as you know. Um, January, February, pretty busy time of year for me, pretty horrible. Um, I was just trying to pump out content and it was, it was one where I didn't put enough work in. I don't think Mm. to it in advance. And it was me by myself. I had a co-host for it or I had a guest for it. They flaked on me. 
And I was like, oh boy, all right, I guess I'll just do this by myself. Um, I don't know. So it was just me talking for 40 minutes. And I just, I don't like one person podcasts. I don't want to do episodes by myself. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're good in small doses, I kind of feel like, but yeah. Yeah. It was just, I just sat there for 40 minutes rambling about numbers and stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm just not proud of it, but I'll leave it up in case almost, I yeah. ever want to go back to it. Um, but I talked about this Todd Helton card and it's like, like you said, it's from that era, like the 93 tops design. It's a cool image. He's in the team USA. I mean, who didn't want Todd Helton on their fantasy baseball team in the nineties and two thousands? Like, right. I, I mean, I would love to have that card at some point. Uh, I remember when I recorded that episode last year, I was like, Oh, I need to get a Todd Helton. He's going to get in next year. I didn't do it, but um, it's not like high up my list. I'll, I'll probably get it eventually, but it's it might be one that I'm, I'm just happy to get a paper card that's in or a, a raw uncooked card that's in decent condition um, and not really go any further with it. So, yeah, but I, I don't have any Todd Helton in my my collection right now. So, I have a question for you. Yeah, um, that set. 93 tops traded did they make golds because i was trying to find a, a gold of it i feel like they did i didn't have any but like finding that if i could find that gold like bonds first time in a giants uniform like i would be pretty stoked on that i got that i got every Barry. I, I pretty much have every Barry bonds flagship card I uh, I won't go there on Bonds. Definitely not on the Hall of Fame episode. Not not on the uh, All <laughs> Pittsburgh uh, day. Yeah. Oh gosh! So last Saturday or Sunday, so I, I've got like this injury that I'm dealing with that uh, I'll share at another point. But uh, I'm not I've not been able to be as mobile as I wanted. So I was just like parked on my couch all day a day last weekend. And on MLB Network, they had. They were doing run-throughs of MLB's greatest games, and I got to watch the 1992 NLCS Game 7, the Sid Bream sliding into home plate, and it just hurt all over again. Mm. It's the first time I've actually seen or watched that episode the whole way through, and just it's uh, Sid Bream, shoot, Sid Bream, Mark Lempke, and Andy Vance like talking about the game, and I could just... Oh, nice. I could feel the pain and the Andy Vance likes voice. And I, I felt it personally myself. So that was tough. Um, yeah, but really, really awesome. good episode, really good episode. They should not have lost that game, but oh, mm. what can you do? What can you do? Time machine. You got to build the time machine. That's all you can yeah. do. You go back Ugh. and take them out. All right. So the just missed guys, Billy Wagner, ninth ballot, 73%. I bet he gets in next year. I Gary Sheffield. Yeah, Gary Sheffield, last ballot, 64%. We know his problem. Andrew Jones, seventh ballot, 61%. And Carlos Beltran, second ballot, 57%. Again, I think Hmm. I know why he's at that number. Any of those guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, What do you think? Who's most, like, out of those four, who do you think gets in eventually? Well, Hmm. I, I definitely think Wagner gets in next year. I think Jones makes it too. Um, you know, it's man, he's going to be close though. 
as good yeah. as he was for those first couple of years, like he definitely, you know, took a dive later on and, you know, it's, it's hard again to compare guys like to say, you know, Adrian Beltre had this whole career all the way through of, you know, positive production and Andrew Jones, you know, the latter half was just a total, you know, waste of space off to Japan he goes, but still one of the greatest defenders of all time, you know, had some huge moments in the world series. I mean, love him. Yeah. As a 19 year old, right. That was crazy. Yeah. I just remember watching those games with my dad. My dad's a Yankees fan. So, uh, <laughs> my, my big, uh, my big prize like moment that year, I think my mom had ordered me like a Beckett signed by Andrew Jones for my birthday before the world series mm. and, you know, like watching him go off like that. It's like, Oh my God, I, I must guard this, you know, at all costs because <laughs> guard that with this your is life. The next maze right here. Do you still have it? Oh, I do. I still have it. I'll, nice. I'll have to dig it out and take a picture for you. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that belongs in the discord show off channel. Totally. Uh, I think Billy Wagner gets in next year. Obviously, Chef, I don't know. Chef's going to need the tide to turn long-term. Maybe he gets in someday uh, through some committee. Andrew Jones is an interesting one. I think that he does, but not next year. Yeah, I expect he might his be number- a guy. I mean, that it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at this point. And it might be a committee guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a lot of... I don't know how he was viewed by his teammates, but you got to imagine there's a lot of 1990s Atlanta Braves type guys that are going to be on committees here. Oh, yeah. Because um, there was some talk that maybe that's why F- Fred McGriff had such an easy time. I think Fred oh. McGriff earned it, but also like a little bit of help doesn't hurt from a committee totally. if it's got some of your peers that like you. Beltron, I think he gets in. Obviously, there's the... He was a big part of the the unfortunate in- incident in Houston. Uh, I, I think I heard yeah. he was even one of the ringleaders. So, I mean, he was certainly the veteran. So he could have shut it down if he wanted to. I got to imagine he played a part. I, I don't know all the details though. So, but he, no, he's next, getting next year's vote. Next year's vote will be telling though on that. I mean, second year at fifty seven percent. Like if he keeps going up then maybe it doesn't matter as much to the writers, but like if he starts going down, I think he might not make it just because of that. Yeah. I mean, on numbers alone, I mean, he's in, but that that's what's hanging over him. All right. What about these guys coming next year? Did you see the list? And even if you look out like the next five years, I mean, it's just crazy. I guess I'm just getting old, but it's really cool to like see all these dudes that I have watched their whole like their whole career I've watched. Um, it is, even it the is guys like the, in the lower tier. Like oh, it's yeah. crazy. It's like 2009 build your ultimate team on MLB, the show. Right here. <laughs> yeah. Just awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, what like you, you said earlier, Ichiro, man, that's, pfft. if he's not unanimous again, like what the hell does a guy need to do? I bet he's not a union. I bet he doesn't get unanimously in. And it's because I bet one of these, angry old white dudes keeps him out and it's just oh, like well, come he on spent all that time in japan he had a pretty uh, <laughs> career. what did he do in the u.s before the age of x he has yeah, no yeah. minor league numbers to show for himself his uh, f4 versus uh johnny pesky at that age you know it's just not the same so <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it i don't see it 
Oh my god. Yeah, Ichiro's the no-brainer. So again, it's like if you want your Ichiro, get your Ichiro now because I think it's one of those where, you know, it's just going to continue to inflate as we approach that induction. What about CC yeah. Sabathia? That's a trickier one for me. That is. Um, you know, I think if he doesn't get in next year, he will eventually. I think with kind of like the evolution that Pitchin's taking in today's mm-hmm. game, those numbers are going to mean less and less over the yeah. years. Like he doesn't have, you know, the 300 wins that, you know, the huge amount of strikeouts. Um, so I think you can look at it and say like, he was one of the dominant pitchers of the era. I mean, it might be a third or fourth year thing, but yeah. get in. it's just crazy how pitching has changed. Like by war again, going back to war, he's in, but right. if I look at the numbers, it's like, I know he was good. I know he was good. So before I get roasted by people, (laughs) I'm just going to say that he had, let's see, he had two seasons in his entire career. Actually, let me count again. One, he had one season in his career where his ERA was below three. One. Right. He had, he had a 3.00 year. But, like, let me read you the ERAs. Like, just on this alone, it doesn't sound like a Hall of Famer to me. 4.39, 4.37, 3.60, 4.12, 4.03, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 3.22, 
I like I don't yeah, I mean I'd take a, all three of those guys before him at their at their prime. I mean Yeah, like I wouldn't I wouldn't put CC over Kershaw at his prime. Kershaw, like despite the playoff woes, like Kershaw's incredible in his prime. Right. Um I mean he's still Verlander, even when he's healthy, yeah. Yeah, and Verlander, I mean I, I think I almost feel like Sabathia is probably more comparable to like Verlander Verlander Scherzer types. Yeah. Um but I just don't think he's quite as good as them. But I'll have to look at the numbers. Roast me in the comments. Uh, or yeah. on the t- <laughs> Join the Discord and tell me why I'm wrong. It's, I'm, I'm it's certain- a fair debate. And, I mean, I think kind of the, the debate with CC kind of can apply to, to Felix, too, who's on there next year. Yeah. Um, just about, you know, that absolutely dominant stretch. But, you know, you look at kind of the, the, the baseball card stats, you know, the wins, things of that nature. His offense did no favors for him you know, during his time with Seattle. So, I mean, how, how much so, is that going to figure into it? This is where when you, if you would ask me the same question on the street, is Felix Hernandez a Hall of Famer? I I would have a more positive reaction than CC Sabathia. But when I look at the numbers, like he's at 54 war, like CC's got him. Like Felix right. didn't have the longevity, but... This, this is where it depends on what your view of the Hall of Fame is. Is it a long and productive career, or is it a truly, truly elite and dominant stretch? Like, Well, and I feel like that's what got Maurer in. You know, yeah. We obviously know like Maurer you know, got cut short by injuries, but just had a yeah. truly dominant stretch, like you said. So, I mean, like, can you apply the same to Felix? And is it going to go back and be able to apply to things like Don Mattingly you know, or Posada when the veteran committee looks at it again, like these guys were up there. The bar has been changed. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. Like Felix, like I'm going to give you some ERAs from Felix now. Um, Let me actually just give you, so his prime, I would say a little bit, actually, you know what? It's about the same. It's about the same number of years as CC. He obviously doesn't have the longevity. Uh, and he did, his prime was a little later. So to your point, the steroid era kind of phased out. Like Felix came yeah. in at a different time. They're just getting onto the ballot at the same time because one of them had a pretty short career. One of them had a long career. You get what I'm catch my drift, but Felix on ERA two four nine two two seven. 347306304214353 so like yeah i don't know like i see the i see three really really dominant incredible years there like i don't know like you know a personally perfect, a perfect game some shutouts and you know and complete game shutouts which you rarely see anymore i mean yeah of, and yeah. and they're both like unique players and I don't know, this is where maybe I'm a little biased because I like there's always been something for me about the Mar- the guys that are on the Mariners because of Ken Griffey Jr. And probably for you because you're a Mariners mm-hmm. fan. Yeah. But um, Felix had the swag, man. Like, <laughs> like he, I, don't get me wrong, you would be intimidated to face CeCe Sabathia too. But like, yeah. I don't know, it just feels <laughs> like a, feels like a different level on, of Felix. Like, if I'm like, I'd walk in if I was an MLB player, like nine out of ten scared against Sabathia. <laughs> like I'm ten out of ten scared against Felix. Oh, yeah. Like as, as the like, uh, as the youth in America say, he's got that dog in him. I mean, he yeah, is exactly. So, all right, 
I will uh, I will get off of this one, but we'll we'll see what happens. Are there any other guys that you're looking at from the ballot that you're like they have a realistic shot of getting in, or is it just cool players? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Pedroia did down the line, just again because of like how awesome uh, his peak yeah. was. And I forget it was was Chase Utley on the ballot this last year, or is he a year or two away still? I don't know. I think he's I think that's another guy where you, you start looking at that like peak versus like you know longevity, yeah. and I don't know he he might be in there. He was on yeah, the first. Utley he was, was first time this year. Yeah, what do you know. get? Let's see. He got forty three. Forty-three percent. So okay, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So I mean, a, a good start, um, you know, and I guess maybe a little tip out there. That's a guy that rarely ever signs and has very little floating around. So like, if if you're a Nutley fan, if you're a Phillies fan, if you like, you know, collecting your Hall of Fame autographs, I mean, like, grab one now before they skyrocket. Um, a lot of stuff is just like in person, you know, slabbed up from Beckett. But you might find the occasional like a Burdeck auto. Um, but grab it now while you can, maybe before it jumps through the roof. Fanatics, if you're listening, <laughs> and I know you have some intern out there that probably trolls social media and different stuff, but you probably not listening to this podcast, but just in case you are, give us a Chase Utley short print or super short print and some product from when he's on Always Sunny. Like I want a oh, picture of him God, with yes. Mac and Charlie. Like Chase Utley, Mac and Charlie, make it happen. Just, or yeah, it's Cole Hamels too, right? Cole Hamels yeah. was in that episode as well. Make it happen. Let's go. Put Max Letter on the back instead of some you got, statistics. You got Kevin Hart on cards. You can get Charlie Day <laughs> on cards. Let's go. Make yeah, it I happen. Don't, I don't think they'd re- they say no to that. <laughs> I mean, no. That, it's, let's do it. Make it happen. Oh. Yeah, some other guys, Granderson, you mentioned Pedroia, Ian Kinsler, Hanley Ramirez, Troy Tulowitzki, Ben Zobris. Um, really cool players. I I don't I don't Man, think Hanley and Tulo were just guys that you, you would have thought like by season three, four, we're just gonna skyrocket and keep going. But yeah, it all got the best of them. Yeah. That's guys fall off, man. Like we talked mm-hmm. about it. It's it's hard. It's hard having longevity. Um I like it's hard to keep your body healthy when it's going through that grind. I I can't imagine because again, I'm not going through the grind. And like I said about the little injury (laughs) I've got, I am having a hard time keeping my body healthy as I age. Um, So I get it. Um, Anything else you want to say on hall of fame? Want to leave us with anything or we should, should we lock it down and see if we have any more questions? I think we should lock it down. But um, I mean, just reiterating your point, like, you know, be looking ahead a year or two at those articles that say like this guy is going to become eligible this year. Even think about guys now, like you said, that could be on that trajectory. I mean, one of my favorite pickups this offseason was a Josh Hader tops Chrome uh, rookie auto, like for twenty two bucks. You know, but this is a guy that now he's with Houston, got legitimate chances to win multiple World Series. You know, so oh, oh, oh. with he the all time, he didn't have a chance before. Hughes with San Diego Padres, man. Watch what hey, you're saying. Hey, you know, there's a reason that they used to put us Padres and Mariners in the rival series all the time. It's because we both never stood a chance somehow. So I thought it was because we have spring training right next to each other, which we got to talk about because I am 
I'm putting spring training 2025 on the calendar for myself. It's out Ooh, there in Arizona. Yes. The Mariners are right down the street. TJ lives in Arizona. I'm just we saying. We can babysit and get him out of the house. Yep. Maybe Ken Waldochuk gets on one of our teams. We can get Alex there, ignite this whole rivalry in person. We'll see. Exactly. I don't know. I'm just saying it could be a thing. It could be a thing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry like, I interrupted you because you just shat on my Padres. Keep going. No, I think I think you make a good point. Uh, they, they had a chance, but uh, you know, life happened. <laughs> sorry, life always happens. You probably completely lost the train of thought on anything else oh, you were going to say. It derailed into a, into a lake, man. It's. A- I'm going to ask you some other questions. Then this is from. So I don't know how to pronounce this. But one of our shareholders, Doc Cagnet, he's a Cubbies fan. I don't know. Okay. You got you to gotta tell me where I'm wrong. But he says, when you collect a card for the PC, are you still concerned about the future value? For example, I'll likely not sell a lot of my Cubs autographs, but still like to make sure they're nice cards in terms of condition, centering, rarity for looks, and in the off chance I ever need to sell the card. This also includes getting high-end cards for players that are not considered collectible. So, Philly, I'll give you that. Um, I don't necessarily worry about it holding a ton of value as much as I don't want to feel like I overpaid for it a year later. Um, you know, and I'm kind of learning that the hard way. You know, I th- think we all are from time to time where, yeah, we see this card we really want. We got to have it. And, oh man, I could have waited six months and it would have been half that price or, you know, mm-hmm. how many Julio cards do we need that rookie season that mm, don't need yeah. them now? And they're, they're, they're not the creme de la creme. So, so why bother? Um, yeah, for me, I think it's just a matter of like PC and is there like an, an attachment for me? I mean, I'd rather right now get a, you know, solid Harry Ford card than, you know, shelling out 10 times for some other prospect on another team that I don't have any connection with. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. I've kind of got like two tiers to it. So on one hand, I have the cards that are truly like PC items. And I, you know, mostly I try to, most of them are 10, 15 bucks or less. A few of them are 20, 25 bucks. And not like on the rare occasion, some of them are like 75, $100 cards. So I'll give you some examples. And in these cases, I generally do not care if it is going to gem and I genuinely or generally don't care if the price is going to go up. I don't want to buy something for way more expensive than I think it should be. So I try to be thoughtful and take my time. Yeah. That's stuff I never intend to sell. So like that Kutch red refractor. So I think I paid 80 bucks for it. I don't care what it's worth in the future. It's a Kutch red out of five. I love the image. I probably overpaid a little bit, but guess what? There are five of them. So it was worth that price to me. I'm never going to sell it. I don't care. Same with the Tatis Auto. I paid 100 for that one. Um, a gold Tatis Auto with a sick image for 100 bucks. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get it much cheaper than that, and I'm, I'm not going to sell it, so I don't care. Right. I still want good condition. Um, but then I've got a bunch of other stuff like like a Joe Musgrove Sapphire Gold or a Juan Soto Sapphire Gold. Those are like, I think the Musgrove was like 10 bucks. The Soto was like 20 bucks or 25 bucks. Like I, same, I'm, I'm not selling them. I, I generally don't care about price and condition. As long as they're decent, I'm good. Yeah. So like the Soto was a PSA 8. 
it would have been more expensive if it was raw. So I bought that PSA 8. I cracked that bad boy. I put it in a one touch and I displayed it. And I don't care. Yeah, you it got it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a data point about the cards, but if it means something to you, it's almost kind of. Yeah. Deal. Eight is what's the actual grade for eight? Isn't that considered like near excellent mint, mint, like slash packed, near? Yeah. Pack fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with a near mint card for your PC. Right. Um, but then there's the other tier. So the cards that I'm, I'm generally buying in slabs and want to keep for a long time. Those I kind of view a little bit as investments, not in the same way as the stock market or, you know, your SPY for those of you that are investing. Um, I do care about future value of those um, because I'm generally more likely to sell a slab than I am of a PC, like just raw single. So like the Manny card that I got, I wouldn't have been able to buy it unless I had sold that um, that Junior Caminero card. So I paid right. 300 bucks for it for a Manny Gold out of 50. I think that is a very good price, and it's a very rare card. And it's going to um, go up. I think it will go up. When I'm making buys like that, that's where I'm really, really thoughtful. Like, yeah. I don't – I can't envision – a future where I'm buying that card for much less than I got it for. Is there going to, were there a couple comps at 250, 280? Yes, there were, but are those cards currently available on the market? Nope. <laughs> no. A lot of those cards of rare cards, like a guy like Manny that are selling these days, those are going into PCs and you're never going to see them. Exactly. So Supply and demand, waiting for yeah, the Hall I, of Fame induction. And yeah, yeah, chances are few and far between. So like when I like when I look at my collection, like my Shohei cards, my Mookie cards, my J Rod, my Manny, um, those type cards. I, I'm obviously guys like J Rod are much bigger risks because they're so early in the career. But I was also able to get rare, crazy, crazy shit that I would never be able to buy of Manny today because of where the price and the scarcity is at. Exactly. So, High risk, high reward, but that's kind of how I view it. I don't yeah, know. I mean, for me at least, you know, we come from that card generation of being burned by the idea that like, oh man, these are all going to be worth something. And, you know, look how that turned out between overproduction, steroids, and everything yep. else. It's like, you know, for me at least, I, I'm at the point of you get burned enough by that. Like, if I have these cards in my collection, I at least want them to be something I like, even if they're worth a penny down the road. Yeah, agree. That was a great question. Um so we've got a question from Righty20. So Mark, he's a Pirates guy. Shout out Pittsburgh again. Yeah. Um, he says, <laughs> what, small market team, what small market team has the best chance to shock the league this season? I'm obviously biased, but the Buccos have been making some very out-of-character money moves. I really like the core they're putting together and would love to hear y'all's opinion on them and uh, any other team that you think could make a deep run. On top of that, what players will fuel that run and how it would affect their card values. Philly, you're the prospect guy. What do you think about the pirates? I think the pirates are going to be a fun watch. I don't, I mean that division's winnable. So I think, you know, they do have a good shot and if nothing else, they're going to stay in contention. And I mean like, Hey, they even locked up a guy like Mitch Keller the other day, you know, they get a nasty article written about him on the athletic on how they do things and they turn around and 
start extending guys. So they got a shot. I mean, they got skeins coming. They got more guys in the pipeline. Um, I don't know. What do you think of them? I fucking hate their ownership. I think they <laughs> gaslight the. I, I think they gaslight the shit out of their fans. I hate mm-hmm. bottom-nutting. Um, so I'll start with that. I hate the ownership, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm not trying to trash the pirates. I'm going to say some good things. Um, <laughs> I hate the ownership, and I I almost feel like their money moves are slap. Like I don't know. I've been burned by the pirates for my whole life. And I really always thought I would be a diehard Pirates fan my entire life. And they just pissed me off too much. Um, and I, I feel like the Chapman move, um, the Car- not Carlos Santana. They don't have Santana anymore. I, I forget. They made like one other move. They did Obviously, some good like tradable vet signings. Yeah, yeah. Kutch, um, the Mitch Keller, obviously they drafted Skeens. They weren't cheapo and try to buy or draft somebody that's more signable. But I still think that they gaslight the shit out of their fans, and it pisses me off. Um, I think that they missed a huge opportunity in, like, 2014, 2015. They had a great team, and they had a loaded farm. And all all we heard about was the farm. Most of those guys didn't pan out. The right move was go out, trade those prospects, make your make your move. When you're a small market team, you don't get as many opportunities. I think they should have made their move. Instead, it was just BS, BS, BS out of the ownership. So yeah. I hate the ownership. That said, <laughs> <laughs> that said, they're in the only division in baseball where I think all five teams have a chance to win the division. Right. And I'm not going to say it's even money on five teams, but if you go and look at like, not the projections or everything, but if you look at the Fangraphs projections today, there's a six game spread between the projected first place team and the projected last place team. And they're all projected to be right around 500. So it's where a team like the Pirates has some upside. If guys, if they're young guys keep improving if they get something out of Kutch, if Chapman regains or keeps some of his mystique, like I do think they could win that division. I don't think it's I don't think it's far fetched. I I think you could say the same thing about every single team in that division. Um, so I do think they could win that division. But a deep I, run. I can't wait to see O'Neill Cruz versus Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, like <laughs> I think. You know, people kind of forgot about him. He was one of those 2022 guys that everybody was on board with. But, man, if he's back and healthy and, you know, kind of with that lineup they're starting to build there, I mean, he might pop back on the radar in a big way. He got the TJ curse, though. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> TJ okay, talked sorry. him up and he went to shit. Might but, yeah, put him on so. Cover of Madden at that point, yeah. Yeah. So, I think to answer your question, yeah, the Pirates, could they make a deep run? Yes. A hundred percent because I think they could win the division and the diamondbacks showed all you got to do is get there. All you got to do is get there and get, you get hot. Um, The playoffs are, the playoffs are a crapshoot. There's a huge spread between the best and the worst team in baseball. Yet the best teams still win or the best teams lose 60 times a year and the worst teams win 60 times a year. So and now they put the best team on ice and they come out cold in the, fir- in the first matchups they have. And <laughs> it seems to be a thing. So who knows what the hell is going to happen? 
Yeah, so, I mean, now that I've trashed Pirate's ownership, I would love to be proven wrong, by the way. I would love to be proven wrong, but I hate their ownership. Mm. Um, but so, yeah. I, I, I think see the Royals are going to be the American League equivalent of that, though. I mean, just that was, yeah. not, not much on the farm, but like they're, they're bringing in guys, you know, they locked up Wit. Um, Cole Reagan's might end up being like a total steal for them from Texas. So like they're building something and it's a, it's a mediocre division. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing about the central. Like I could like the twins, the Royals, the tigers. I think those are all teams. Again, you just, you just got to get in the tournament. Mike Tomlin line again, get in the tournament. (laughs) You got to get in the tournament. Um, I think any of those teams could get in. And once you're in, you never know what's going to happen. Things, crazy stuff happens. The Dodgers have been this juggernaut for so long, and they've only won one World Series in their peak. So, I mean, look at the Braves, you know, 307 home runs and, you know, the runner-up in the Cy Young. And, yeah, Yeah, not happening. It's crazy. I mean, they should be the favorites. Like, do those teams have a statistically better chance? Yeah. Sure. Um, but, I mean, this is all the beautiful stupidity of baseball. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's the dumbest sport in so many ways, but it's also the most beautiful in so many ways. So, yeah, I, I made a list of small market teams. I was like, Orioles will know no crap. I think yeah. I, with Cal Bradish, the uncertainty there, I I love that they got Corbin Burns. Um, I believe their their new billionaire owner is being fast tracked through approvals. Um, I think it's a very real possibility that his first move is signing Blake Snell or signing Jordan yeah. Montgomery. And I think that's what they need to do. I think they need to get one of those two arms to really solidify things because the Orioles. I mean, think about it. Corbin Burns. Let's call it Blake Snell. Um, Bradish, maybe he comes back maybe, and he's, yeah. he's Grayson the guy. Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez was the number one prospect. Um, you got John Means like coming off an of injury. Like he's he's not like the guy you want to be your number one. Um, like he was for them a few years five, ago. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty interesting five starter. I know he's coming off an injury, but he's throwing a no hitter. Uh, so I like the Orioles, but that's kind of uh, that's kind of a lazy pick because. Everybody knows that. You know their payroll's only like ninety-five million. Isn't that insane? Like with wow. all that I mean, talent? and the highest-paid players, Craig, Craig Kimbrell at thirteen yeah. mil. I mean, like they better start signing some guys up, otherwise, that's going to look really weird. It's it's really weird. You can look at it one of two ways. Like, why did like it, you could kind of look at it as disappointment? Like, really, we have all these opportunities, and and we signed Craig Kimbrell. Like, that's the splash. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a different play to be had here um or you can look at it as they're opening the wallet book and more's coming and i think that's Gotta start somewhere yeah i think that's the real answer uh i'd like to see them go atlanta Braves style and start locking in some guys uh i don't think they should go full padres and lock everybody in because that eliminates flexibility yeah but i think the orioles i really like royce lewis and the twins the Tigers could be a surprise team. The Pirates, who knows what you're going to get out of the Reds. They've got a lot of interesting young talent. So I think there's a lot. Yeah. It's going to be some fun baseball to watch once we get rolling, though. Yeah. One of the episodes we're going to do, not the 
not the next episode, but the episode after that, that's going to kind of drop towards the end of March. We're going to do a season preview and TJ's going to, you know, put his annual jinx on some players. So maybe you want him to, but Hey, Hey, TJ's going to pick the Cardinals. So that knocks one team out of contention right off the bat. Out of I don't know. You know Mark. He's, he might pick the Cardinals next year though. I mean, once Yachty's the manager, but I mean, with Marmol, he's probably ready to hate on it worse than like a tops release. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So more to come. Um, but that, I think you might be onto something with the pirates. they, and it's all based on the players. Everything's got to fall just right for them. But could it? Yeah, totally could. And I'd love to see it. Like, there is nothing that I would love to see more than the Pirates win a division and make a deep October run. The fans of Pittsburgh and that city is amazing. The ballpark's amazing. Greg Brown, their announcer, is amazing. I would love to see it. Like, it would be incredible. So well, give me well, a um, raise the Jolly Roger. Let's go. How how crazy would you go if they beat the Dodgers in the playoffs? Oh my God, I'd be so excited. I would I would go up to Dodger Stadium. Um, I'd wear my Cutch jersey. So <laughs> probably get my ass kicked. Uh, yeah, that's LA for you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you have time for a couple more questions? The wife and yeah. daughter are at Target, so I have a couple extra minutes. So, I mean, you know, you're talking to Lord of the Rings length episodes guy here. So, I mean, <laughs> I know. I'm kind of wondering right. what else you got. I've got one from a couple from Jesse. What is your future game plan for your collecting going into 2024? What the fuck, Jesse? Go back and listen to last episode. Next question. What products are you completely avoiding for this year? Um, same. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> How about you, Philly? I'll let you answer the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just for, being for a my, jerk. For my strategy this year, I mean, I think, like I said, um, we were talking about the Hall of Fame stuff. Just kind of looking at those guys who are maybe at like the five, 10 year mark of their career, getting a nice rookie of them, um, you know, alongside this prospecting stuff, as always. As far as stuff I'm going to avoid, you know, probably, I don't know. I'm going to try and tell myself to avoid like the Panini Elite Extra Edition type stuff. Um, it's loaded with autos. It comes out in like a week or two. You get eight autos in a box and then like two patches, I think, as well as like Dominican Prospect Relics. So like it's usually drawn me a lot to it. But at the same time, there's just not any like return on flipping it. Like I have a Caminero auto. I have a Holiday auto from those both. And like the Holiday probably would fetch, you know. 70 bucks at best on ebay right now compared to like a bowman auto or anything else yeah all right jesse i'll give you something because you're a shareholder i got a card display for my office like i mentioned i plan to get a second one so i've got like my big card display is my graded slabs i don't intend to do very much there very few changes a card here and there maybe a few all year the two that are going to kind of, you know, sandwich that thing are displays that are only going to fit cards and one touches. That's a, that's a self-defense mechanism to ensure that I stay financially responsible. Because <laughs> I said the same thing when I got the old card display. I was like, well, I need just enough room to have some graded cards. I'm not going to have a lot of them. And every single card is graded in there now. So... I know myself, I'm going to protect myself. So I'm going to be buying a lot of just sick, ungraded cards um, nice. for my PC. Like a lot of 
Padres gold cards, Padres, like whether it's a gold refractor, um, whether it's a gold sapphire, whether it's a gold logo fractor, I'm going to be buying Padres SSPs, uh, that type of vibe. Um, and also some stuff of players that I like, like the Kutch Red, the Kutch Home Field Advantage, the Acuna Yellow Foil is going to go in there. So that's where I'm going to focus. Um, and I'm really going to focus on avoiding all products, actually. I'm going to try to do more things like I just did with the Top Series 1 hanger. I really enjoyed it. It was low risk and just purely fun. Um, yeah, I'm just like appreciate cards more and not worry yeah. so much about oh, I I need to buy the Series 1 Jumbo so that I can get the this hit. Like, right. that rarely works out. It's expensive. It feels bad. But, like, I, you know, everybody should collect their own way. And that's how I'm going to collect. I think that's, that's like, kind of where I was before and probably what I sounded more like when I started doing the pod. And I think, like, just talking about all these products all the time and looking mm-hmm. at so many things, I got a bit carried away because I felt like, if I talk about it and say it's cool, that means I need to buy it. Um, it's hard not to get excited not, with all this really stuff that's coming along. Yeah, I know, I know. It is exciting. There's a lot of good rookies. Um, we'll see what I we'll see what that Junior Caminero SSP looks like. That guy's yeah. got some, he's got some swag, so it could be a hell oh. of an image. Oh. I, I will add on one more thing. I'm do, I'm focusing on this year, and, and you know, you and I have touched on it a little bit, like. Getting some of those older cards with the in-person autos. Um, mm. You know, right now I've got the 95 Andrew Jones Bowman at a signing for him to to write on. I've got a Darren Erstad card from Tops 2000 Chrome, the year he got 240 hits, you know, out to him. And just, yeah, finding opportunities to kind of improve the cards that do mean something to me over the years. And, you know, like um, I think I, on Tool Time I talked about my dad giving me his Pete Rose card, you know, his Pete Rose rookie, I got that signed and slabbed up and got the Frank Thomas Auburn 1990 tops card from him. So just find an opportunity when he's signing. And again, just kind of, you know, up up the the cool factor on the cards that are special to me. Yeah, for sure. I think like upgrading, like it's kind of like one of the things that's happened to me over time is like when I first started buying graded cards, it was like more... It was the things that were more important to me, mm. but I had like lower end stuff. And then as I got to the things that were less important to me, started buying higher end stuff because I realized I would want to upgrade into that. And I've been like over time kind of cycling through and going back to that early stuff to upgrade it. And in that, like when I say I'm going to do very little with new graded cards, those are the things that I could see myself doing like. I can see myself selling my Mike, my Mike Trout slab and trying to upgrade it into some parallel of his rookie card. Right. Um, things, things like that. Same with like Clayton Kershaw. I got his base 10. I, I'd love to get into a gold. I'd rather have a gold in a lower grade than a base and a 10, to be honest. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's starting for me. And I don't need to see the number 10. Like, I just want cool shit, you know? So as long as it's um, not like a one, because it's been run over by, you know, a UPS truck, like bring it on. Yeah. Like as long as it hasn't been through all this stuff that all these Yachty cards have been through that Alex oh is messing with. Good Lord. That yeah. guy, that's crazy. Savage. Um, yeah. So I think that's my goal. Um, one thing that I do really want to do this year 
this is silly. I really want to break some 1987 tops. Or, I'm sorry, 1983 tops. More expensive. Still fun, though. That would be fun. 1983 tops. So I've been kicking it around for about a year. That's not one I can do on my own. Um, But, like, there's a... Obviously, what I'm chasing is the Tony Gwynn rookie card. But you got some other stuff in there. I think it's Ryan Sandberg, Tony Gwynn, and Wade Boggs. So, but it's yeah. like seven hundred bucks a box. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend that on on my own. So I think that's one where it would be something like we need three people. Mm-hmm. We need one. We need a Red Sox fan or a Wade, a Wade Boggs fan. Tony Gwynn fans me, so I got that one. We need like a Cubs Ryan Sandberg fan. Um, we each start with those teams, and then maybe we just draft the other. 27 teams and then we're at 225 250 each or at that that's you know at that small of a group just go through and and draft the cards you know i mean if there's two tony wins you know why take both let let somebody else get one that's true that's a good look um yeah so i think something like that like i'm more likely to go there than buy like a jumbo of series one put it that way I, i just think it'd be more fun for me and like, I don't know, just like the nostalgia of it. I really liked ripping like the 95 Bowman, the 2002 Bowman Chrome. I want to do more stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think I want to go back and rip some flair at some point. Um, different things like that, like junk, quote unquote, junk wax, junk wax products that were special oh, to yeah. me. I've kicked around ideas of like a spinoff podcast related to that, but I can't come up with like a format that, that I think I would keep up with or that I think would be entertaining. But so maybe those types of products more than like new products. So that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we've, uh, we've not quite hit Lord of the Rings status, but this is going to be one of the longer ethos episodes of all time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, I'll take it. You know, that's, it's me. That I'm rambling to today. I'm just happy so, to not be working. Oh my God. Did, I'm working oh, so go. much. Did you get right a coffee now? too insane. before we started? I did, yeah. So nice. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, qu- I'm quad fired down the house. Uh, yeah, I'm fired up. Uh, thanks, Philly. I appreciate you coming on. It's fun as always. Um, we'll have to do this more often. I mean, we'd love to have you on with with TJ when he's here too, and like bring some other guests on and stuff. I just, I think this was a really cool episode. I'm trying to, like I said in the last episode, I'm trying to make it more about collecting and also cover the products. Like I don't want it to be an advertisement for yeah. series one. Like I, I want to break it down and, and give our thoughts. Cause I'm sure a lot of you guys like have these similar thoughts or different thoughts. It's always cool to like hear what other people think. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's been fun. Thank you, man. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, obligatory this time of the show, shout out to the discord, shout <laughs> out to, uh, you know, all the supporters out there. Um, what else? Uh, I was going to say something controversial, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Is this about like a neutral train derailment or? I'll tell you after I, I hit the brakes on the episode. Fair enough. Fair but enough. You want to, you want to, what, what's the plan for tool time? What should people expect when you come? Uh, you know, just depending on how uh, TJ's schedule shapes up over the next couple of weeks, I think we're planning on definitely shooting for a mid-March drop. Um, want to kind of start getting some prospects on your radar, whether they're making big league debuts or whether they're going to be, you know, may call-ups. We want to get those guys in front of you 
um, you know, talking to a lot more people and trying to get more widespread knowledge, maybe some draft and college content, a little more international this year, just so you guys are getting more and more names and more information. What about your blog, man? You want to give it a shout? Because that dude that struck out all those, like, 17 guys, isn't he already on a, a rookie horror story list or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, di- I do like to write. It definitely uh, kept me entertained during the winter, but I have a blog on Substack called The Rookie Horror Picture Show. Uh, definitely, you know, pun intended for the Rocky Horror Picture Show fans out there. Um, but, yeah, I write from everything on, you know, history of Bowman releases to – doing some mock drafts the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, so I was kind of proud to have my guy Hagen Smith from Arkansas mock to the Mariners the first time out, you know, I, I could go for some 17 out of 18, uh, strikeouts in Seattle. So yeah, check it out. Um, what else? I think we got it, man. I think, I think we got it. I think we gave the people what they want. We gave them a little extra content, um, with some extra time. Thanks for my wife, uh, for letting me do this every couple of weeks. I know she doesn't listen to the. She listens. Don't get, don't don't interpret that wrong. She doesn't listen to the episodes. Oh, right. Um, yes. But <laughs> it's a big sacrifice for uh, for her to carve out two hours of the weekend every other week. So those of you guys with kids, like, thank you, Philly. You do the same. You got more kids than I do. Um, so yeah, they're all off you. at the aquarium with mom. So you know. Oh, there you go. You're great, staying home great. from the aquarium for me. Well, I'm I'm technically at work, but I'm not working yet. So, yeah, it's okay. I gotta I gotta hop on a work call in a few hours. Fun times, oh, love it. Love mid Saturday calls. We'll watch some baseball between now and then, and yeah, um, I'll try. I mean, I'll try. Sixteen games today, man. You, you got to find something. I will find something. All right, thanks, Philly. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Catch you guys in a couple weeks. Like I said, we've got some other episodes planned. I'm not quite sure exactly which one's coming next. i got to connect with Philly. got to connect with TJ, see when TJ is ready to jump back in the saddle, see if maybe we need another guest or something. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, if you got a mic and you have, like, semi-intelligent things to say about carts, give me a shout-out. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>